Let's talk BRICS because the summit just concluded in South Africa. The Johannesburg Declaration has been released and new members, has, as you can see, it's cause for alarm for the United States as there's sirens going off in the background. But, <laughs> but uh, BRICS, with all of the, and I know Pepe, we've talked about this together, with all of the speculation and the enthusiasm around BRICS, there has been concerted action coming out of this summit, the 15th summit, and that is the expansion of BRICS. Now there are six new members, Argentina, Egypt, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Ethiopia. This is a huge development. And so I guess each of you, I would really like to hear your reactions about the summit and this expansion and what it means for the multipolar world, the multipolar world economy, we could call it. Uh, whoever would like to begin. Michael, you want to kick it? You know why? <laughs> because I've been deep into it for four days nonstop and I'm still into it. So I would love to hear Michael's uh, analysis first. And then I'll jump in and I could go for 10 hours. But Michael, please go. <laughs> well, I think in one sense, this is a preliminary meeting to set the stage for what's going to come. Uh, and all that the BRICS can do at this point is make arrangements among themselves. But the real problem uh, is what is their collective uh, strategy going to be to break from the U.S. and NATO garden? from the whole uh, economic order that the United States has put in place since 1945. Uh, and that requires uh, creating sort of a core group that's going to write up uh, the basic principles. And in a way, what they need is a manifesto. They need to say, here are our aims and here are some basic principles of how we're going to operate. And I'm, uh, I think they wanted to keep the group fairly small for the time being so that they, uh, uh, other countries will uh, have a choice. If you join the BRICS group, the expanded BRICS, you will be part of this overall new order. And it's going to mean breaking ultimately from the U.S.-centered order because you cannot have the kind of order that uh, the BRICS uh, countries were discussing at uh, this week's meeting and at the same time remain subject to the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, neoliberal economics, and uh, what uh, President Putin himself called uh, the debt trap that uh, is preventing countries from taking an economic independence. Uh, uh, President Putin gave a very good uh, speech where he said that uh, basically the uh, countries, uh, uh, the colonial epoch of uh, European colonialism has been replaced by financial controls and that uh, countries cannot be independent until they're uh, financially independent. Well, easy for him to say because uh, uh, he, uh, the United States has forced him to be independent, is forcing China to be independent, and is driving all of the countries to be uh, independent. Uh, but uh, ho ho what his speech said was that uh, the countries of the so-called global bi billion, he, he said, are, have gone to great lengths to preserve a unipolar world as it used to be. It suits them. They are the ones who benefit from it. And they're trying to replace international law with their own uh, uh, order. And uh, But nobody's seen the rules of this order. So uh, what he pointed out is that uh, this order is 
just a, a new kind of colonialism. And um, he, he specifically quoted uh, Brazil's President Lula when he said that Lula mentioned the debt burden of the developing uh, economies uh, that they face. Of course, he said, on the one hand, there's this effort to siphon off all these resources, while the other hand, in terms of lending, the relations are engineered in a way that requires replaying these loans virtually impossible so that these obligations can be viewed as man mandatory indemnities rather than loan payments. Well, that threw down the gauntlet. Uh, at some point the, uh, that they couldn't really discuss uh, uh, publicly uh, today, they're going to realize that if we're going to use our economic surpluses to develop our own infrastructure, our own government spending on basic needs, uh, we cannot turn over our economic surplus to uh, the Western uh, holders of, of dollar debt. Something's going to give, and they, uh, they avoided talking about this. All they can really talk about now is how they can uh, support uh, mutual aid uh, with each other, and uh, uh, it, it, we're still a bit far away from taking on the West, but that, that's going to be uh, what's happening, and it's, a, it's the political dimension that has not been discussed in the West at all. So I hope today uh, we can talk about uh, uh, what the BRICS really meant uh, politically. Uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov gave a, a wonderful comment. He said, uh, the West is talking uh, only about the, uh, the BRICS meetings as having an economic agenda. And he said, but uh, uh, that's uh, belittling what we're doing. He said, the West is treating us uh, as an economic club, uh, but it belittles its real significance. It's a, we're going to be a political club, and uh, it takes a whole political restructuring in order to have an economic restructuring. So we're not talking about marginal differences. We're not talking about stopping simply at using each other's currencies and uh, uh, denominating our debt in each other's currencies with currency swaps. We're talking about uh, a quantum leap, uh, a basically altogether new uh, new structuring. And that's what uh, the West doesn't believe. Uh, they believe what Margaret Thatcher said, there is no alternative. And this week's meeting is all about, yes, there is an alternative. Way to go, Michael, way to go. Um, I would like to start offering some um, background. What we learned from Sherpas, what exactly happened on that fateful table in Johannesburg. Okay. In the beginning, India wanted expansion only three more members. Uh, they would be roughly Argentina, Iran, and Algeria. The Chinese wanted 10 new members. And guess who was the middleman on that table trying to, once again, the messenger between China and India, the Russians. So in the end, they got this, uh, I would say, very effective compromise of six members. So uh, South Africa, from the beginning, they were pushing for Egypt. Uh, the Russians were also pushing for Egypt because Cairo had lobbied Moscow. We want to get in, and they, were, they already had an agreement. The Chinese went, I would say, the, the Chinese went for the, for the kill from the beginning. They wanted top energy, oil, and gas producers. So it was Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the Emirates. And everybody else agreed from the start. 
For, in terms of Iran, it was very, very easy because Iran already has a strategic relationship with both Russia and China. Uh, Emirates and uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, because uh, MBS, uh, not only he has a, an extremely close relationship with Putin, but both, they run OPEC+. Plus. So from a Russian and Chinese point of view, that was incorporating a OPEC plus into BRICS. And the Emirates, of course, the same reason, top producer. Um, and then Brazil, of course, they were lobbying from Argentina from the beginning. And uh, I would say this would be Lula's effort to try to save Argentina from itself, essentially, helping his very good friend Fernandes. And at the same time, trying to send a message to Argentina, please don't vote that anarcho-crazy for president who wants to dollarize the economy and turns Argentina, as Michael knows very well, into a perpetual vassal of the IMF and the Americans. So we don't know if this is going to work, but uh, uh, the, the debates already in Argentina are exploding, of course. Uh, the very tiny oligarchy based in Buenos Aires that runs the country, essentially, it's a matter of 50 families not more than that. They are going apeshit, predictably, of course, just like the Brazilian oligarch is going apeshit because Brazil, Lula uh, had a very prominent role in the BRICS. Even though he's a little bit tired, he's going to have an operation soon. He sounded tired. He was reading notes. Uh, this was not the Lula that we're used to, to deal with. You know, Lula as an improviser is almost peerless. He was reading notes and he looked tired. Anyway, it was, was very, very effective. He talked once again about a BRICS currency. But as Michael said, nobody got into details, first of all, because it's too early. And they don't have the people, the mechanism, the, the, the teamwork set up in place to start really analyzing it the way, for instance, the Eurasia Economic Union has and Glaziev and Mityaev here in Moscow, which I plan to meet soon in the next few days, they have been working on this for over three years, in fact. Uh, and then the thing was to try to convince Modi about introducing three Muslim nations and Arab Muslim nations into BRICS. Once again, who did the hard work? The Russians. Uh, and there was a sort of key pro quo between Moscow in New Delhi. Uh, Lavrov knew that uh, any uh, mention in the final declaration about looking for a, a new BRICS currency, an alternative currency, the Indians will be extremely uncomfortable with it because the Indians are terrified of American sanctions and American secondary sanctions. And Modi, as we all know, is hedging his bets all the time between the empire and Eurasian integration, and in this case, BRICS integration. So basically, there was a compromise. They said, okay, we won't talk about that. We're going to talk about, about it further. And obviously, Modi had to accept the three Muslim nations. And there was a question of uh, about Africa. They had only two. That was a, the, last, the very last round of discussions. So they said, okay, who's going to be the next candidate? Uh, everybody was... Uh, talking about Algeria, but Algeria is practically a done deal. They have very good relations with both Russia and China, and they're going to be part of BRICS soon, sooner rather than later, probably next year in the second batch. The South Americans said, look, this is only the first uh, expansion uh, phase. There are going to be others. 
So the next one, which is going to be in Russia uh, at the next summit, the 16th BRICS summit, which will be in Kazan in Russia next year. That's very, very important. Officially confirmed by Vladimir Putin. And uh, of course, very, very important. I, I, I call it the touch of poetic justice. The BRICS 11, as uh, I am calling them since yesterday, they start on January 1st, 2024, which is the first day of the Russian presidency of BRICS. So, so this is beautiful, in fact. This is something that obviously very sophisticated diplomatic corps like the Russians or the Chinese thought about it and, you know, and, and sending messages that they know that the global south as a whole will understand that immediately, pick it up immediately, right? So in the end, I say, okay, let's get a very strategic um, African nation that nobody's talking about, Ethiopia. Perfect. It's close to West Asia. It's Northeast Africa. It's close to new member Egypt. Uh, it, it's part of a very strategic Horn of Africa situation that involves the Red Sea, not far from the Suez Canal, you name it. And very rich in minerals and metals, not to mention unexplored uh, oil and gas reserves, copper, gold, uh, platinum, tantalum, you name it. You know, perfect, perfect, absolutely perfect. So in the end, they got to BRICS 11. So in terms of a master coup, I, I call it a master stroke for several reasons. But I think the most important reasons, and I would like to hear Michael about that, is the energy angle. Now they control at least 47 48% global oil production. In the next stage, which is going to be next year, assuming they get, for instance, Algeria, Venezuela, and Kazakhstan. This is going to jump to what? Maybe 70% of global oil production, or maybe even 80%. So this, this is immense, because now, on top of all that, they control. And this is off the top of my head. Uh, maybe I'll be forgetting something. The Northern Sea route, the Arctic route, all the overland corridors of the Belt and Road Initiative, the New Silk Roads, the, uh, the overland corridors that traverse from Xinjiang across the heartland all the way to West Asia and then further, down, further on to, to Europe. The Maritime Silk Road, because now they are very, very important in the Arabian Sea, in the Gulf of Oman, in the Persian Gulf, in the Red Sea, and in the Suez Canal. So all that with one single stroke in the chessboard so i see this as a really a master stroke you know and it's no wonder that nobody in the west at least for the past 24 hours have mentioned anything about how BRICS now is a major player in global energy markets commodities markets for obvious reasons russia brazil argentina etc but also in the energy markets and that was a result I would say the second stage of this approximation between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which started by the Russians here. First, they talked to the Iranians, then they talked to the Saudis. In the, in, the, in the next stage, they put the Iranians and the Saudis on the same table. And then they the ball went to the other side of the Chinese and the Russians told the Chinese, okay, now it's gold time. And obviously the, the Chinese... Uh, did a Messi and they scored in Beijing 
we had the, 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 the agreement between uh, Tehran and Riyadh of the rapprochement, you know, having uh, diplomatic relations and even investment relations. Now they have high level visits side by side, etc. So uh, the reconciliation between Shiites and uh, Wahhabis was a Russia-China strategic partnership work. Absolutely outstanding. And now we have the second phase, which is all of them in the same table in BRICS 11. And maybe soon we can have them all in the same table in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And this is something that our friend Lukashenko, old man Luka, already said on the record. Look, we're sort of going to have BRICS on one side, Shanghai Cooperation on the other side. It's basically the same big players. Why not put them all together on the same table? It's something that will happen and maybe could happen as early as next year because the summit is going to be here in Russia. And the Russian agenda is extremely ambitious in terms of integrating everything under the official uh, uh, Russian motto, which is Greater Eurasia Partnership. This applies to all the Eurasian partners, uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Emirates, uh, Belarus, etc., but also to the integration of Eurasia with Africa as well. And Xi Jinping, in terms of integration in Africa, not only... Uh, he was lobbied heavily for three African members at BRICS 11. But they held a special meeting between Xi Jinping and the Chinese delegation and heads of state from different African countries that were invited by Ramaphosa and other leaders from the developing world, the G77 group which nobody talks about in the West. I'm sure M Michael knows this very, very well. The G77 is essentially the new non-aligned movement. And it's not only 77 nations. It's 134 developing nations. And the majority comes from where? Africa. And the president is a Cuban, Diaz Canel. So can you imagine this absolutely outstanding sight? In a, in a room in Johannesburg, you have a Cuban who's the leader of the new non-aligned movement with all these leaders from the developing world, most of them Africans, meeting exclusively with Xi Jinping to discuss sustainable development, everything about sustainable development. So, so this is something that obviously you won't read in the New York Times or the Washington Post, obviously. So, so this was one of the very important things that happens on the sidelines. So when we put this all together... Uh, it spells out closer and closer Eurasian, African, and also Latin American integration under the edges of BRICS 11, which next year could become BRICS 20. And in a few years, BRICS 30 or BRICS 40. So the G20, as we know it, is in trouble because the G7 inside the G20 is already in, um, in a coma, heavy, heavy coma. Soon the G20 will be in a coma as well. And the new G7, G20 will be, will be BRICS 11, 15, 20, etc. So, so, of course, this uh, I'm trying to paint the, the hopeful scenario in all that. Thank you for tuning in to my latest video. I appreciate all of your support. This channel, however, needs your help. I am seeking to make this channel more sustainable in the long term and upgrade necessary equipment to ensure that this work continues onward and makes progress to give you all of the geopolitical analysis 
that you all deserve. For that reason, I'm asking you to become a member of my Patreon community at patreon.com slash dannyhaifong. You can find that link in the video description or in the pinned comment below. For whatever amount you choose to give, just know you are supporting independent media that you can't find anywhere else. Thank you so much, and I look forward to the next video.